Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hi, right, everybody. Welcome into episode number 104 of the Leaning into Leadership podcast. And today on the show, my guest is Jonathan Cranford. Now, Jonathan has seven years of experience as a special education teacher on a therapeutic campus for students with emotional disturbance and another four years of in-school suspension teacher experience at two different middle schools. And after discovering how in-school suspension programs were failing to meet the needs of his most at-risk students, Jonathan created his own successful in-school suspension program to address discipline, academic, and restorative requirements that his student population needed the most. Once creating this program on two different campuses, he made the decision to create this into a roadmap and released it as a book titled The Art of In-School Suspension. You're going to hear from Jonathan today as he and I sit down and talk about ways to make your in-school suspension room an effective, positive, reinforcing intervention rather than just a room where kids go to escape from accountability. You're going to hear that conversation and so much more right here on Leaning Into Leadership, and we'll be right back. October is National Principals Month, and here at Road to Awesome, we want to say thank you to all our current, aspiring, and recovering principals around the country. Thank you for the hard work that you do. Thank you for putting in the time. Thank you for being a role model. Thank you for working so diligently on behalf of kids, on behalf of adults, everywhere. You know, the work you do truly makes a difference in your community, and we want to say thank you by offering you a special price on our book, Road to Awesome, The Journey of a Leader. Normally $24.99, you can get Road to Awesome, The Journey of a Leader for only $20 by going to our website, roadtoawesome.net backslash books, and selecting the book and entering the code FOBA, F-O-B-A. That stands for Fear of Being Awesome. We are here to stamp out the fear of being awesome. And getting the book, Road to Awesome, will help take you right to where you want to be. In the book, we challenge you to identify the things that you really care about, to find the clarity, and then how do you go about being intentional to ensure that your work is focused on those things. It's hard not to be caught up in being a firefighter, but in that book, we're going to challenge you to step away from firefighter world and step into being the leader you're supposed to be on your campus. Thank you again for all the work you do, and happy National Principals Month. When I first started as a school-level administrator, my first job, as many of you know, had me in charge of student discipline and student attendance. That, of course, meant that I indirectly oversaw the in-school suspension room. Yes, we had somebody, Miss Becky, who ran our in-school suspension room, but that was something for me to oversee. And an interesting thing about the in-school suspension room that I felt was that it, no matter what we did, it just didn't seem to be effective. You know, we had the same kids over and over, same behaviors over and over. It was not accomplishing what we wanted it to accomplish. So fortunately, folks, for those of you who are in that position, 
my guest on the show today is perfect to help solve some of those problems. Jonathan Cranford has written the book on the art of ISS, actually overseas in ISS room. He's not just telling you what you should do. It's this is what he does and offers professional development, all kinds of really cool stuff. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here to talk about in-school suspension. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Nobody ever says that, but uh, this is is an important conversation. It really is. And I know you say it. And uh, um, I'm honestly excited to have this conversation about in-school suspension because I think it can be effective. I think it can be something that uh, works very well. So before we dive into the the nuts and bolts, the meat and potatoes of the ISS conversation, share just a little bit of kind of the journey that led you to uh, just jump into this opportunity for in-school suspension and not just jump in, but to remain and continue to work forward, write a book about it, the whole bit. Sure, I'd be happy to. So my, uh, I've spent the last uh, 11 years in teaching, going to my 12th year now. The first seven years, I was at a therapeutic campus for students uh, with emotional disturbance. So I taught high school English on the therapeutic campus for the first seven years. And then I got into ISS for the last five. Um, the, uh, I actually wasn't even going to go into ISS uh, in school suspension. The, what, what happened was I, I was looking to change uh, from the therapeutic campus. After seven years, I felt like I'd done my uh, part for God and country. And I was looking to make a move and I was gonna teach nutrition on a high school campus. Uh, I have a, you know, it's a passion of mine. I've, I'm, a, I've been, I'm a level two CrossFit coach. I've been doing that for as long as I've been teaching. And one of the things I do is I give the nutrition seminars at our gym. So it's uh, nutrition is a passion of mine. I thought I could just really crush it as a nutrition teacher. I have the certification. So I go into the interview um, and it wasn't really quite what I, um, it just wasn't quite what I wanted it to be. So, uh, my wife just tells me, Hey, we have this in-school suspension position at uh, my campus. You know, why don't you check it out? I think you'd be amazing at it. And so I went over there and, uh, interviewed and, and they brought me in. Um, I think the most important thing for your audience to know about me is that my wife and daughter are both school teachers and majority of my friends are as well. So when I approached the in-school suspension uh, position, which was basically like, here's the keys, go do, you know, go do your best. Um, I, 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 brought, I knew what the, what the issues were going into it from the teacher's perspective. I knew how it wasn't serving them already. Uh, so it wasn't just for me, it wasn't just about the teacher, about the students. It was also about how can I serve these teachers who are doing the most difficult job in the world, which is teaching middle school. So I go in there and, and I implement in the first year some what are to me common sense rules and procedures. And within a few months, I have teachers running up to me in the hallway with like, hey, my student had like five zeros in the grade book and now they're all caught up and you know they do all their work. They're, they're getting more done with you in you know, a couple of days than they'll do all week. What's going on? And they're also telling me that they're have, the, the kids are having different conversations about in-school suspension. They, they have the, they're letting them people know they've had a positive experience there, but that they don't want to go back. And the way children communicate that is they'll say, well, Mr. Craver's school, but ISS sucks because that's how kids talk. So, yeah. um, right. So after, you know, like by my, that was my first year, it's going to become more than that, but that was just year one. So I knew we we're having some success. 
um, my, you know, my, the entire staff was noticing by year two, the district starts to notice and they start sending a bunch of people into my room, other in-school suspension teachers. They want to see model, uh, a model ISS room. They're sending behavior specialists. At one point they have an entire, uh, other school district that they're, impl they're, they're mentoring on PBIS implementation. And so I have an associate superintendent in my room and like a bunch of uh, other people from this other district. And it's like 15 people. And this is more attention than I've ever received in, in my education career. So, um, and, and it's not even, it's not just a walkthrough. They're like in there for 45 minutes taking notes and, and asking me questions. So I start asking questions in my district. I'm like, is there any other, you know, rooms that are working like this? And they're saying, well, nobody's doing what you're doing. So I, that makes me even more curious. So I start asking around to, uh, you know, other, other teachers in, my, in the other districts outside of mine. I'm, I'm in the Houston area and we have 30 districts that just surround HISD. Uh, I'm one of the surrounding districts and I know teachers in all of them. And one thing I've noticed is when you ask somebody, you know, what, uh, if their in-school suspension room is good or not, or what they think of their ISS, they're either going to tell you one of two things. They're either going to say, oh, our ISS room is a joke. The kids love it there. They go and they, you know, they watch Marvel movies on their phones and they sleep. Or they're going to tell you, yeah, I think our ISS room is pretty good. But then when you follow up and ask, well, how do you get work to the teacher stuff like that? Then they're like, oh, well, we don't expect to get work back from instant suspension, but he makes them, you know, sit in there all day and they hate it. And, you know, that's that's not school. That's just kids doing time. Um, so I get more curious and I start kind of doing some research outside of Texas and, and all around. And what I found is if you look at the data in school suspension is right up there with out of school suspension. It's the efficacy is, is pretty low. It's not, I mean, when we suspend kids, who are we even pretending to help, right? So if we give them in-school suspension, it's supposed to be better, but the data is not showing that. And I know why now. Um, so that was kind of when the light bulb went off. It was like, oh, people just need to start doing things a little more intentionally, doing what I'm doing, have some better systems in place. And you can have a functional in-school suspension room that does a lot more on your campus than probably what it's currently doing. Um, so that was what made me decide to write the book, The Art of In-School Suspension. Yeah, I love that. Um, lots of really, really good stuff in there, and a lot that I want to unpack. Um, let's let's go just kind of at um, yeah. Here's where I want to go. I want I want to go with um, a conversation that there uh, a thread that you put in there. I want to kind of pull on it. Um, you mentioned that you know you would ask people about how do you get work to the teacher, or you know how do teachers get work to the in school suspension room. Now, I think some in, in some cases, people have a system in place. In some cases, they don't. Um, obviously, in almost any way or, or in any walk, um, it's critical to have systems in place. But specifically, when we're talking about getting work to and from the in-school suspension room, um, I've, I've seen a bunch of different things, Jonathan. I'll be honest with you. You know, I go back to my time as a classroom teacher and, you know, two different buildings, two very different systems there. Um, one, the principal or the assistant principal came around and got the work in, in one, the kid had a form that you had to fill out as a teacher, um, to, you know, all kinds of, of different things. And, uh, I'm curious, what are the effective ways to answer that question? How do we best go about ensuring that student work? Cause I know you're going to talk a little bit more about your structures in your classroom with how kids are getting work done, but it starts with getting the work in their hands. So how, how do you do that? Right. Yeah. It starts with getting the work in my hands. It's crucial. Um, it, yeah. It, it's, it's crucial that we have work to start the day with, 
not even, you know, we're, we're not wanting to get it by fifth period or whenever people get around to it. Uh, we need it right away. Uh, so we need a pretty streamlined system for that. And it needs to be as easy on the teachers as possible uh, because it has to come from the teachers. It, it, we don't want to do busy work in there. We don't want to do uh, stuff that is not really contributing to their learning. My, what I tell uh, clients now is, you know, my, we do, you know, uh, in-school suspension, uh, targeted behavior intervention with zero loss of instruction. So that's what we're looking for is zero loss of instruction. We want the work to come from the teachers. We want it to be their work. And then we want to start working on it to get it done. Um, the way we do it is with a spreadsheet system so that we can communicate uh, on that spreadsheet with the teachers. And, and just spreadsheet and email is really, it's pretty simple. So First, you know, an email will go out to specifically to the teachers who have a kid in, in school suspension. Um, in most uh, in most systems, uh, my district, um, you know, we have a system that you can you can basically do it with. You can email a, an entire kid's schedule with one button uh, in, a, in a program called Skyward. And I think a lot of school districts have something similar to that. Or you just have to you know email their their schedule. Um, so, but it can't go out to like the whole staff. It needs to go out specifically to those teachers. Otherwise, if it goes out to everyone, it goes out to no one, you know, they, they won't, they'll stop looking for it. Um, and then, you know, the other half of that is you know, the, when they do send work, they need to, you need to make sure that it gets back to them, that they're actually getting completed work back. Um, the kids are learning. Otherwise, you know, I, I feel like I have to earn it from, from my teachers. Otherwise, you know, why, why should they send me work if it's just going to be extra on their plate? Uh, nothing's going to be done. So, that's very important. And then the spreadsheet that we use, once the email goes out, there's a link to the spreadsheet and uh, they can then, it's it's kind of divided by grade level and by subject. So you look for your subject and then that kid's name and then you just put in there what the instructions are or a link. Um, a lot of our stuff is in, we call, we use a program called Schoology or you can use Google Classroom. A lot of stuff is in there nowadays. So you don't even have to print anything out. But if you have a district where it's almost uh, all paperwork, still a lot of paper-based stuff, then you can uh, just put links into the spreadsheet. And then in that situation, I would just have them uh, have a, it'd be handy to have a printer in the ISS room or nearby. So then you can just print out the work and get it, get it right there from the link. You can just put the link in the ma link in the masters and get it right there. But so that's pretty that, streamlined. I think. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And you know, the, I think obviously the, the more that technology has evolved and the more that classes or schools have embraced that technology. Obviously, that makes things a lot easier to to move that back and forth. I'm curious. Uh, this is well, I don't use a script, but I'm just going to say I'm going off script here because something that you said there just kind of sparked a thought in in my head, and that's that that's this. Um, you said you know we're, we we need the work not like fifth period. We need it right away. I'm curious. Uh, this is just a, a genuine interest question. And I'll I'll share a little bit of some experience leading to the question. As the person in charge of discipline and attendance early in my career, I know there were times where I would have a student report directly to in school because of whatever infraction, say start a fourth period. You know, I know there were other times where it was, look, here's the form go see all your teachers. You're going to be an in-school starting tomorrow. Is there a preferred that a lot of, a lot of the listeners right now, Jonathan, are school and district level leaders. So you've got their ear. Is there a preferred when and how 
from the person sitting in the chair who's going to do this work to have the student come in. Sure, and let me, now that, since I have their ear, let me speak directly to them. Uh, this is very important. So in some circles, what I'm doing is called trauma-informed in-school suspension. Uh, it doesn't mean, you know, we just hug them and hold hands and sing kumbaya. They do not want to return. It, I promise you it is a behavior intervention and it is an academic intervention. It is both and works very effectively. Um, but part of it being trauma-informed is we give them some choice and efficacy in how they attack their day. So uh, I have it in, in my school, my teachers, uh, as mentioned earlier, they get me all the work uh, by first period or before first period. Um, the biggest thing with that, I, as I mentioned earlier, the real big part, it doesn't matter how streamlined it is, the real big part is knowing and trusting that I'm going to have the kids actually do something that day. I think that's the most important thing um, so that the teachers know they're not wasting their time. But it's uh, the, the reason we give them that choice is so that they don't feel that hopelessness, right? It's, it's, it's part of it being trauma-informed, or I call it trauma-assumed in school suspension uh, because we know the trauma is there. Uh, they, they need some efficacy. It, you know, they know for me that there's not going to be any busy work. There's not going to be, um, you know, just stuff to, to pass the time, but we're also not going to waste time. We're going to get something do done today. We're going to achieve something. And so if I can give them an opportunity uh, starting first period, you know, what do you want to work on? What do you want to start with math? You can start with math. You want to start with, you know, your uh, ELA. You can start with the ELA. I have a spreadsheet where I track. It's my own spreadsheet. It's not shared with the teachers. It's not, it has nothing to do with getting work. It's just me tracking where everybody's at, at, all day long. So once we've finished one uh, core content, because uh, we do core content first, then we move on to the next one. We cross it off the list and move on. Um, that's very powerful because you've got two kinds of students in in-school suspension. They're either going to start with their easiest subject, and they're going to build some momentum, move forward to the next one, or they're going to start with their hardest one and get that knocked out and still build momentum. It doesn't matter where they start, but you give them a little bit of choice and some room to breathe, and you get a lot more out of them that way. So that's... Um, that's why it's so important that we get something early on. And it's better to have a kid come in the next day, if possible. I have deals with my, with my APs. They know, um, you know, if it's something silly, like the kid, you know, went over on how many tardies they can have, then just put that kid in the next day. That's not an emergency thing. There are obviously times where you just got to throw a kid in there because it's a problem having them in class or having them anywhere in the building at the moment. You need them in a structured environment or in a more restricted environment. If you have to, you have to, but my, uh, my assistant principals and my principal will try to avoid doing that uh, because they know that the the first part of the day is so important and integral to us. Um, it helps us to set the tone, set the expectation, everything that makes the rest of the day go smooth. And they know that I can handle if they throw kids in there, at, you know, whatever period of the day. But most ISS teachers, it's going to, especially if they're newer, it's going to kind of throw a wrench into things. So, um, you know, let them win the morning and win the day as much as possible. Uh, before you start throwing kids in their sixth, fifth, fourth period. Yeah. And that's, I, I think I always tried to kind of live by that uh, as well. And yeah, I mean, there are going to be those moments where got to do this, but um, certainly with such an intentional system around uh, supporting kids from the very beginning, obviously, yeah, getting it, uh, getting it set up to where the kid knows in advance, the teachers know in advance, and most importantly, you as the as the person who is the teacher in the ISS room knows in advance. I think that sets everybody else up for success. Hey leaders, let me tell you a story. It's the story of my first year as a high school principal. I will tell you, I was exhausted. I was overwhelmed. 
and I lived my life breathing through a snorkel because my head was so far underwater and I didn't think there was a way out. I mean, I was a mess. The 40 feet that it was to move from my assistant principal office down to the principal's office might as well have been a 400-mile trek. I was just absolutely putting in crazy hours. I was trying to do it all, like trying to answer everybody's question, thinking I always had to be the smartest one in the room, and I had to solve everybody's problems. We're talking severe Superman syndrome here, folks. Every day was fire after fire, and all I accomplished was putting out fires. Forget about leading. I was simply trying to survive. Now, after working with a leadership coach, I really was able to get things figured out, get my head from being a firefighter to actually being a leader. But it took work, and I discovered some things that really mattered. And that's why I've created Walk in Your Purpose, Five Mindsets to Level Up Your Leadership, a free ebook that you can have today at no cost. Just go to walkinyourpurpose.roadtoawesome.net backslash ebook to download your free copy. Again, that's walkinyourpurpose.roadtoawesome.net backslash ebook. It's time for you to walk in your purpose, to find joy in your job, and to be the leader you always knew that you could be. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Here's where I want to go uh, in our conversation now. I, I want to talk a little bit more about the book, The Art of ISS. And um, there was pieces in the book. I, I love the entire thing, by the way. But there are a couple of pieces that I just want to hit um, I'm, I'm going to share like right off. I've got a quote from very early in the book and I'm going to read that quote. And then I just want you to run with that, you know, talk about, you know, kind of where that came from or what are your thoughts around it or what does it spark today in your mind? Um, so two or three different pieces here, nothing, nothing huge. And I don't want to give away the whole book, but, um, I certainly want to, uh, take advantage of, of the opportunity I had to, uh, to get through the book. So, um, you said early in the book, our responses to student behaviors often reach far beyond what happens in the moments surrounding a particular incident. I think that's connecting to what you were just talking about with trauma assumed, but maybe, maybe take that a little deeper. Yeah, that's part of it. That would be, um, you know, there's really only three major parts to the trauma assumed stuff. It's, you know, no surprises. So they know what the expectation and the response when they fail to meet that expectation is going to be. Um, we empower them through choice. That was what we talked about a moment ago. And then just uh, also what you're getting into is non-energized redirection. So the students always feel safe. So when you think about how you react to a student's behavior, if they, when they're, uh, when they're not meeting your expectations and they're breaking the rules, whatever you want to call it, um, you always have to take into account that you, your ability to communicate and their ability to communicate are wildly different. 
their children and you are in two different galaxies when it comes to your to your abilities right you're an adult you have so much more experience they have very their their behavior is typically communicating something that they're not able to communicate positive or in a, in a way that makes sense to you so you know their anxiety may manifest as an attitude or their uh feeling hopelessness or just frustration at the work or whatever may may come out as hostility or work avoidance or whatever you want to call it. So having an emotional response to that is not really helpful. It doesn't make them feel safe. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't mean that you're just going to let it go. But what we do is we've established early in the day, what I call win the morning, win the day. They know what the expectation is. They know what the rules are and they know what the consequences are and how I'm going to respond in pretty much every situation. And I know how I'm going to respond. So there's no emotion in it. It's just, Hey, you are not meeting the expectation here. So I'm gonna to have to give you a redirection. And then we never escalate. It doesn't get into a power struggle or anything like that. If they do start to come back with something, it's either maybe a plan ignoring, especially if they comply, if they say something rude and then they comply, I just pretty much ignore it because that's just junk behavior. Um, but if it's something um, like they're, you know, they're, they're not complying, then uh, and, the, and they're being rude, I'll just give them some wait time. We'll do like what I call a behavior cluster. It doesn't go on to the next redirection or the next strike or whatever you want to call it. Um, it just goes, you know, we just have, we have a, a cluster of behaviors and then, you know, we give them some wait time and then we come back to it. And if they're still not on task or doing what they're supposed to do or behaving the way they're supposed to, then, then maybe we go to the next step. Um, but it's, you know, it's just part of uh, not having an emotional response because that's what they're going to remember is the emotional response that you had versus what you really want them to learn or to know. Um, that's, that's where that came from. I really like that. Um, uh, next one that I want to talk about. Um, you have uh, a bit of a section in here where you talk about what ISS is and what it isn't. Uh, maybe, I don't know, give us a couple of each. Sure. On, on my website, wow, there's like an entire pyramid of the efficacy of most ISS rooms. And the very bottom, what you don't want is the just the worst it, it's actually it's, it's hurting you to have to have the uh to have the in-school suspension room that i call a reinforcing in-school suspension room um because it's reinforcing all the wrong behaviors it's reinforcing the negative behavior so what that looks like is you know the iss teacher maybe is trying or tried at some point but it's been rough in there so they've kind of given up and now they're just like hey look as long as y'all are quiet then I'm not going to bother you. Just, you know, just keep it quiet. And so then they're, you know, getting to play on their video games, on their school issued laptop, they're sleeping, you know, they're eating snacks all day. They're communicating on social media. They're just doing whatever they want as long as they're semi quiet. Cause it's not going to, it's not going to actually, they're not going to actually be quiet in that sort of, sort of environment. Um, but that's just somebody trying to survive. And what that begets is worse behaviors on campus because the kids are actually having fun in there at that point. Um, it's kind of rewarding the negative behavior. It's reinforcing it. So then they go back to a classroom sort of emboldened in their <laughs> negative behaviors and it gets worse. It can spread. I've seen it to where it can, you know, go to other classrooms where the teacher wasn't really having classroom management issues or they're decent at it. But then the kid just realizes that there's no tier, tier two support anywhere in this school. There's no tier two consequence or, or, or anything. There's no intervention. It's just, we're literally just playing school with this kid and they figure it out because they're smart. And now they know that there's nothing that they can do uh, to, you know, really, they're going to talk to me. They're going to give me positive reinforcement. They're going to do all this stuff, but there's really no true MTSS because the tier two intervention is lacking. It's just not there. And in fact, it's worse. It's reinforcing. 
So, um, so once the kid figures that out, then it can get, it can get pretty rough because we're just putting it on their hands to play nicely at this point. Um, so yeah, it can't be a reinforcing ISS room. You don't want to see that. It's not a, uh, it's not a video game. I think in the book, I said, it's not an arcade where you get to play video games. Yeah. It's not social media. It's not nap time. Um, I, all the things I, it's not social hour. I mean, I could list them all probably for you. Um, it's none of those things, right? It's a, it's what it really is, is an academic intervention at its heart. That's what I really want it to be more than anything. Cause that helps out my teachers, but it's also a behavior intervention and, and we get a lot done in there. There's, there's a lot I can promise you with a functional in-school suspension room. I mean, we're talking about, you know, grade repair We're um, you know, we're backfilling deficits and things that they didn't learn in fifth or fourth grade. You know, we're doing great stuff in there. And that's what it can be at its highest level. Um, at the next worst level, though, if you get above a reinforcing room, then what you have is that room where through, I guess, fear and intimidation, you have a teacher who is just making them sit there and hate their life, but they're not really getting much done either. You know, they might get a few, like the, the person may give them a, some pep talks or something, you know, which is, is not really that effective. I mean, you know, usually that's about, you know, if I'm giving a kid a pep talk and feeling like I really got through to them, that's usually about my own ego, not, <laughs> not anything yeah. else, it's, you know, cause then they're, they're right back in there for, you know, something else uh, the next day. Right. Um, yeah. Those pep talks aren't, aren't as, aren't as effective as we think they are. Um, but having a true tier two intervention is so, um, yeah, so if you have a room where kids are just sitting in there doing time, then, you know, that's not, that's not academically beneficial to anybody, not the teacher, certainly, because then you're sending them back, you know, three, one to three days behind in instruction. So who does that help? Nobody. So um, those are the levels of efficacy. That's what they, you don't want the ISS room to be. That's what 99% of them are, unfortunately, according to data. Um, it can be that top level though, where it's going way above and beyond what you, what you ever expected. It's just, it's hard to get folks to see that because so few people have ever had anything like that um, on their campus. And teachers even, the, when, when I first come to a new campus, I've, I've done in-school suspension at two campuses now where I'm the in-school suspension teacher. I've worked on some other campuses is like to help train their in-school suspension teacher as well. But uh, on my primary campus, when I, when I come to a new campus, uh, I have to tell them like, hey, you know, I know you're, you know, whatever, if you're not used to getting work back from school suspension, those days are done. I'm going to help you do all these things. You can even send kids to me. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll talk and see if, you know, if you have a kid who needs to come there to uh, just for a quiet environment to work on a test or they're, you know, maybe they're not getting anything done in class in the last couple of days and need them to catch up, you know, just stuff that they're like, that is unbelievable. What are you talking about? That sounds like a fantasy. And I'm like, just, you know, it'll, it'll happen. <laughs> Trust me. Um, you know, and then, you know, they, they, it takes them a little while, but they see it, but it's just, it's hard to imagine if you've never had anything like that on your campus. Yeah, that's for sure. So I'm, I'm compelled to, to shift directions because I'm thinking about, you know, as, as schools are opening up, you know, through the course of this fall, we're going to have people who are leading the ISS room for the very first time. Um, you've started it in two different schools you, you train and coach people in this work. What are like one or two things that you tell anybody who's new to the space or who's just like, okay, I'm fed up. I'm done. I need to fix this. Where do they begin? Infrastructure. I call it infrastructure. And that is that what we talked about earlier, getting the uh, word out to the teachers who hasn't, what students of theirs have in school suspension and making it easy for them to get work to the teacher. That's the first, everything starts there. Um, then inside the room, you know, we have structure. You've got to lay out your structure. So you have all of your rules, they're posted. Um, I'm very in depth about the, my rules. I have about 10 of them. 
it covers pretty much everything you're going to see in an in-school suspension room. Uh, and, uh, and, and my response, I, we're, we're open about what the behavior ladder is. It's not a secret. Nothing in there is a secret. There's no surprises. Um, so, you know, once you have that structure in place, the infrastructure to feed it, um, then it's all about win the morning, win the day. Those are the big three right there. If you can get that far, if you can win the morning by, you know, when I say win the morning, win the day, that's going over in detail your behavior ladder first. You know, this is what's going to happen if you don't meet expectations. Then give the rules. Here's what's going to get you in trouble in here. Here's how the day is <laughs> going to go. Here is um, when lunch is going to be. Here's how we go to the restroom. Here is when we go to the restroom. Um, here's how everything works. Then uh, and then from there, it's okay. What do you want to start working on? I'm going to go around the room in numerical order, uh, and you're going to tell me what you want to start on, and I'll make sure we have it here for you. And I'm going to write it down when you're uh, as soon as you've got started. If you need anything, you know, you need any help, raise your hand. Believe it or not, I'm a real teacher. I can help you with anything you need in here. Um, and then uh, you know, get them going. And then it's and then it's kind of on the teacher to start. What I, I call look for the invisible hand. Uh, that's something I have to teach the, the new folks, which is, you know, I tell them, please raise your hand and ask for help because I do want to, you know, be a teacher. I'm not just a babysitter. So if you come in my in-school suspension room, you're going to see a kid at my desk all the time. It's very uncommon for me not to be working with somebody. Um, but when I say the invisible hand, um, now I'm talking about, you know, the kid, I'm looking for clues like, you know, are they sitting there on question five for the last 10 minutes and we haven't had any motion? Right. They're not that a lot of these tier two type students are not going to raise their hand and ask for help because that's not really served them up to this point. That behavior hasn't really served them uh, or they just, you know, they're, they're just not that that focused on it. So I look for the invisible hand to be raised and then I just call them over. I don't give them I don't ask them like, hey, do you need some help? Because they're just going to say, no, no, I'm good. You know, just bring them to my desk. Hey, just bring your Chromebook up here. Let's let's look at this. Let's, let's look at this. Show me this. Show me this work you're working on. And then we just get started and we go. You know, don't give them an exit strategy. <laughs> don't give them a way out. Don't give them an off ramp to not do work. There you go. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, we've reached that point in this show, Jonathan, where uh, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody uh, here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Uh, what are you doing right now to lean into leadership? Well, you know, in school suspension is a leadership like position because you are so tied into the entire school. Like you're working with the assistant principals and the principals on behavior stuff. You're working with every teacher in the building. If you look at, um, you know, uh, people don't don't really get how big the job is when you're trying to do it right. Because you may, if you have eight kids in your room, which is not a really particularly uh, large day in in-school suspension, um, but it's a good sized day. You know, eight kids, um, you know, times eight teachers. That's a lot. And that's a lot of organization that you need to, you know, make sure it happens. Are we getting everybody done? Do we have to map test some of these kids? Do we have to, you know, what do we have to get done? So there's a lot there. So what I've learned this year, this is new for me. Um, and, and this is only my second year at this, at this campus that I'm at. Um, when I work with teachers, um, one of the, one of the cool things about my campus is I get to do a lot of extra. Um, we don't have, uh, versus a Title I school that I've worked at where we're just slammed with kids all the time. This school has a smaller census, so I can do more um, because I'll have less kids. So there's a lot of extra stuff I can do to help kids, like provide tutoring in my room. I'm like, hey, you can send me kids, um, you know, that just for one period. They're not in ISS. They're just coming to me for tutoring, but it's quiet and I can help them. You know, we just communicate when that needs to happen. That's one of the things I can do. But what I noticed last year when I offered this is that only the teachers I had relationships with 
um, and spoke to often were actually doing that. They were actually sending me uh, folks, the rest of them who don't really know me that well, um, they weren't sending me anyone. So my thing this year, as far as feeling like ISS being a leadership position is to make more relationships with every teacher on my campus so that I can serve more of them uh, in the way that I was serving, you know, just the small handful that I did last year. That's outstanding. I mean, it's, we're in a relationship business. It's, it is that simple. I love that you went there. Um, speaking of relationships, um, there are going to be those, you know, whether it's somebody who's brand new to leading an in-school suspension room, or it's a school or a district level leader who listened to this podcast and they want to reach out and start a relationship with you. How did they get in touch with you? Sure. Well, you can go to my website, uh, www.theartofiss.com. That's theartofiss.com. Uh, reach out to us there. Uh, you can also find me on, on Twitter. I'm at Mr. Cranford ISS. Um, and uh, yeah, just reach out to me on those two platforms. It's probably the best way to get to, to get a conversation going. That's perfect. I'll make sure and put those links in the show notes, along with a link for you to go grab a copy of the Art of ISS book. Folks, believe me, it's worth the read. It's fantastic. Jonathan Cranford, thank you so much for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Thank you, Darren. I really do appreciate Jonathan coming on and sharing some of that insight with us. You know, that's a space that I think a lot of us struggle with. I know, and I talked about it during the, the actual recording, that as the person who was in charge of discipline and attendance, I never really felt like we had that room as effective as it could be. Some of the strategies that Jonathan talked about, we had in place, but a lot of the stuff we did not. And greatly appreciate him. Hopefully you can take some of those uh, great leadership nuggets and put them to use in your school. And now it's time for a pep talk. Today on the pep talk, I just simply want to talk about letting go and letting the pressure relief valve do its job. Several times this week, I had conversations with leaders across the country who had a very similar challenge, and that is staff members who, well, needed to let off some steam. Folks, it's okay for those things to happen. It really is. In fact, as leaders, I would encourage you right now to increase the amount of time that you are in the classrooms, in the hallways, and at the front door, because this increases your availability. It gives you more opportunity for your staff to share their frustrations. Rather than having them take their frustrations and stir that throughout the staff, and maybe even stir up things that aren't even accurate, giving you more and more work, more things you have to work to contain, you being available, you being out and about, you being available for people to talk to, to share their frustrations with, that gives you the opportunity to help ensure that accurate information is out there. And you know what? If somebody's really frustrated, let them share that with you. It's okay. It's normal. I mean, we all have to let off that steam, right? People want to be heard. Give them that opportunity. If, if what they're sharing isn't accurate or what they're hearing isn't accurate, make sure that you're actually giving them the accurate information. Help them understand why you made a decision. And honestly, if you made a decision and it wasn't a good one, own it. You know what? We're human beings. We all make mistakes, right? Okay. This week, 
take the extra time. Put 10 minutes on your calendar on, on Monday. Put 10 minutes on your calendar for Wednesday where you can go and just be a little bit more available. I know you're bogged down. You got all kinds of paperwork. You got all kinds of reports. And now you're into evaluation season. I get it. It's 10 minutes. Put it on your calendar. Get out and about. Make yourself available, folks. It's going to make a difference for you people. And it's going to make a difference for you. Thank you for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.